This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. just want to welcome everyone who's tuned into Radio K Pulpit. It's Alana Willyview with Body Matters. And this is the first time that I'm back this year. And I hope that this is going to be a wonderful, blessed year for you guys. And that God will give you guys the desires of your heart. So today I'm going to be chatting about the fruits of the Spirit. And for those of you who don't know what the fruit of the Spirit is, I'm going to read Galatians 5, 22 to 23 that says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it says, Against such things there is no law. Okay, so... In a nutshell, if we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, okay, so when you and I give our lives to Jesus, um, you know, we become in right standing with him. We become the righteousness of Christ. And that means that we've got God's perfect Spirit within us, even though we are not perfect his spirit is perfect and the Lord gives us the Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit. And that spirit is to help us to become holy. Just remember when you give your life to Jesus, that day doesn't mean that everything changes automatically. Although you are in right standing with God, we still need to work at our salvation. And part of working out the salvation Um, is obtaining the fruit of the Spirit. That is when God transforms us. So through the Spirit, we are transformed from the inside out and the character of Christ is displayed in and through us. And the character of Christ is called the fruit of the Spirit. It is the outward manifestation of inner transformation. Now just remember, we need to be transformed into the image of Christ. It says we become holy and that is God's heart for each and every one of us. And so when we serve God over a period of time, the fruits become evident. And this is when people start seeing that there's something different about our character and our behavior. For example, if we used to be used to get angry quickly or irritable, But once we've started walking a road with God, with the Holy Spirit, we start to be transformed into the image of Christ. And as I said, God's image is characterized by the fruit of the Spirit. And let me just read the fruit again. As Christians, we should display these fruits and it's called love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So the fruit is something that we have to produce when we walk in righteousness. So the word says, the word of God says that you will know my people by their fruit. And in Matthew 7, 15, 20, it says, watch out for false prophets that come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are Vicarious wolves, by their fruit you will recognize them. So what is God saying here by the scripture? He's saying that when we 
serve him. Over time, the fruit, his fruit, God who dwells within us, will manifest in our lives. And this is just one way in which others will recognize that Christ is in us. There's another example that I want to read from in John 13, 35 that says, By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And another scripture in Matthew seven seventeen to 20 says, Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. So every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Okay, so we are like the trees. And when we are in right standing with God, when we walk in right righteousness, when we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, then we will bear fruit. And if we don't bear fruit, it says we are not effective in the kingdom of God. You see, God wants us to bear fruit that will last forever. If we look at John fifteen sixteen, God says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. So that is the end result of righteousness. See, righteous living produces fruit. And that is the kind of fruit that is lasting. So how do we develop the fruit of the Spirit? You see, transformation takes place as we walk in righteousness by the Holy Spirit, spending time in God's Word, being sensitive and obedient to the leading of the Spirit. It is then when we obey God, God says, if you love me, you will obey me. It's all about obedience. Righteousness is about not just um, knowing the word of God, but walking, living the word of God. It says faith without works is dead. So when we have and put our faith in Christ and we do what he says, then we just don't, it's not just about knowing the truth, but it's about walking in God's truth. And when we walk in God's truth, it's the Holy Spirit that transforms us into God's image. And it says we become holy as he is holy. So what is the purpose regarding transformation? Because it's the transformation of the Holy Spirit that helps us to become more Christ-like. So let's just look at a few pointers here of transformation. To transform us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, so that we will no longer be conformed to the patterns of this world. Just remember, when you and I, before we gave our lives to the Lord, we lived according to the standards of the world. But when we have Jesus in us, we live according to the ways of Christ. We live a spiritual life and faith becomes our new way of living. We don't conform any longer to the patterns of the world, but we conform to Christ and the lifestyle 
that He has for us. And the only way that we can do it, as I said, we don't shift overnight, but it's the Holy Spirit. God says, I am the one that makes you willing and able to obey me. So God helps us to live a life that is worthy of righteousness. And as I said, righteous living produces the fruit of the Spirit. So let's go back to transformation. So it's the reason for transformation is so that we will no longer conform to the patterns of the world. God's heart is to reinstate us to the original state that we were the way he intended it from the beginning of time. Transformation helps us to get our uh, to establish our identities as children of the living God. And with that identity comes authority. And that authority is for us to regain that rule and reign on earth. You know, through transformation, God wants to restore and establish his kingdom within us because it says the kingdom of God is within you. And once the kingdom of God is established within us, we can bear witness to the world. And how do we bear witness to the world? By having the fruit of the Spirit, to be kind, to be gentle, to have self-control. That's the only evidence that the world out there knows that we belong to Jesus. And through transformation, we are being transformed, as I said, into God's holy image as we grow in a relationship with him. And I just want to read 2 Timothy 1 verse 9 that says, He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Isn't that wonderful? God has called us for his purpose. We are, we are on this earth but when we give our lives to Jesus, our lifestyle needs to change. And that's when we are becoming holy. And you know what? In our own strength, in our own ability, we cannot do it. But transformation is through the Holy Spirit inside of us. So the one thing that the reason for transformation is that we can represent Jesus Christ on this earth and we can bear witness to those who are still in the darkness. And through transformation, you know, once we acknowledge God, once we um, accept Him, once we are led by Him, you know, God will um, show us our calling and our purpose in Christ. So we need to remember before the Holy Spirit took residence in our bodies, we were sinners. We lived a certain way. Our minds our minds, will, and emotions were conformed to the ways of the world. But now we are set apart for the work of God. And now our thoughts are basically fixed on heavenly things. We are being transformed from the natural to the supernatural. Part of transformation is to expose also the lies of the enemy and to replace it with the truth of God. And how do we know what is the truth of God? The word of God is the truth. The more you know the word of God, 
the more you will recognize any lies from the enemy because the enemy is called the father of lies. Satan is known as the father of lies and the Holy Spirit is known as the spirit of truth. Okay, so we've got the word of God to help us, to know, to teach us, to help us how to live a godly life. But besides the word, God gave us the Holy Spirit. And the more we know of the word, the more authority we have, the more power we have. You know, knowledge equals power. And we have the mind of Christ. We know God's thoughts. As his children, he says, my children know my voice. So we can be led by the Holy Spirit. And so I just want to touch on 1 Corinthians 2.16 that says, Who knows the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And this means that we are able to recognize and discern the lies of the enemy from the truth. So what am I actually saying here? Just in a nutshell, the fruits of the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit has to be worked out in us or through us. But that takes time and the Holy Spirit through transformation, through spending time in the Word, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, we are able to distinguish between what is good or what is godly, what is the truth and what is a lie from the enemy. And when you start walking in the truth, when you know what the truth is, when you choose to follow God's ways and to live a life that is righteous, God will work through the fruit of the Spirit, which is patience and kindness and goodness. So let's take a short music break and then we'll talk about transformation. How are we transformed physically into the image of Christ? If you've just tuned into Radio Careful, but we're here with Alana Willie for you. And this program is called Body Matters. And today my topic is basically how do we obtain the fruit of the Spirit? So as I read earlier on what the fruits of the Spirit is, but now I want to touch on how how do we how do we obtain that fruit in our lives? How can that fruit become evident in our lives? So let's look a little bit about transformation. How can we be transformed from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light? How do we live a life that is righteous? And as I said earlier on, righteous living produces fruit. And that is the fruit of the spirit. Okay, so the Bible mentions that transformation starts in the mind. And we need to change the way we think in order to change our behavior, to, in order to change the way we um, conduct our lives. We need to firstly change the way we think. We need to be able to take our thoughts captive and bring them under the submission of Christ. Okay, so there's a scripture that says, take your thoughts captive and bring it under the obedience of Christ. Now, this doesn't take place overnight. As we spend time in the word of God and seek him, we will grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then we will be able to discern any wrong thinking 
and perceptions that contradict the will of God. Just remember before we gave our lives to the Lord, you know, the enemy would plant anything in our in our thoughts. We we didn't have a guideline between what is the truth and what is a lie. And many of us, when we come to Christ, we've got so many strongholds, so many thoughts, so many things that the enemy has, um, you know, lied to us about who we are, about our situations. You know, a lot of people struggle with rejections and strongholds and, you know, our belief system, you know, we believe all kinds of things that the enemy has thrown to us from the day we were born. The enemy was out to lie, to kill, to steal and destroy. But God said he came to give us life in abundance. And now we have to undo that way of thinking. So the more we spend time in the word of God, the more we know the truth, the more we will be able to discern when the enemy presents himself to us. So when the enemy comes and presents a lie to us, because of the Holy Spirit, we'll be able to identify that. So let's just go and read Romans 12, 2, that says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, when we conform, when our minds line up with the truth, we will know God's will for our lives. And to be able to renew our minds, we need to constantly be aware of what we are thinking. A very good book that I read as Joyce Myers, The Battlefield of the Mind, that is excellent book for any one of you who are are thinking of just how can I live a righteous life remember righteousness is a gift from God but we have to work out our salvation we need to choose every day to make good to 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 live a life that is pleasing to God so that is our choice because the Lord says I lay before you life and death choose life choose a life that's worthy of of uh, of me so if what we are thinking okay so if what we are thinking does not line up with the word of god we need to reject it this is how we take our thoughts captives captive so to be able to renew our minds we need to constantly be aware of what we are thinking if what we are thinking does not line up with the word of god we need to reject that thought by no longer entertaining it and replace it with the truth or the knowledge of God. Say, for instance, um, you are fearful. Just to give you an example, you're struggling with fear and something comes up and it makes you fearful, a thought. And then you realize that the word of God says, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love and a sound mind. So the word of God says, You do not have a spirit of fear, but yet you're feeling anxious and fearful. You're thinking fearful thoughts. Then once you know the truth, you know, okay, this is not from God. I'm not going to entertain this thought any longer. I'm going to reject it. I'm not going to ponder on it because it makes me feel fearful when God says he hasn't given me 
a spirit of fear. So therefore, we can recognize, once you know the word of God, you can recognize, you know, where I'm operating now, what I'm thinking now, this is not God. This is not where God wants me to be. And to take that thought captive, just choose not to ponder on it, choose not to entertain it. You see, when we entertain a thought of the enemy for too long, that thought or that lie will eventually manifest itself as a truth, thereby deceiving us. And this lie establishes as a stronghold where the enemy has access to our thoughts. You know, when you believe a lie of the enemy for too, for a long time, you entertain that thought, you meditate on that thought, eventually that thought becomes a truth to you. And that truth, which is actually a lie, will become a stronghold. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5, it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Here it says, even when you are debating things, you know, sometimes someone says something to you and you get upset or they break you down or they belittle you or they say you're not good enough and you replay that thought over and over and over again and eventually that thought becomes a truth. You will start thinking, you know what, maybe I'm not good enough. But here it says, do not entertain those thoughts. When God says you belong to you, you are the righteousness of Christ. You are the, you are the head and not the tail. And God values you. So that's when you need to say, no, I'm not going to entertain that thought. I am going to take it and bring it under the obedience of Christ. So one lesson the Holy Spirit taught me was that every time that I was irritable or angry or depressed or emotional, I had to examine what I was thinking before I started feeling the way I did. And then I would realize that my thoughts impacted my emotions which determined my actions. So there is a pattern. If we think positive thoughts, our behavior will be more positive. Negative thoughts will cause us to say and do negative things. So where does it start? It starts in the mind, what we choose to think on. Now in Philippians 4, 8, it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Yeah, God is instructing us to think on positive things. When you start thinking negative thoughts, it's going to affect your attitude, your behavior, and later on, you're going to be so angry, you're going to want to lash out and say things and do things to other people out of your anger. Just remember that your emotions is not a sin. It's what you do with your emotions. And there's a scripture in the Bible that says um, anger 
is not a sin, but when you act out of your anger, that is what causes you to sin. And that is exactly what the enemy wants. So how do we reverse what the enemy wants to do? And the Bible says we need to take our thoughts captive. We, not not anybody else, we need to guard over our thoughts. Because when you guard over your thoughts, you'll be able to um, manage your emotions. And when you can manage your emotions, you will be able to have self-control over what you say and what you do. It will uh, affect your behavior. Here's a beautiful saying by Frank Outlaw that says, Watch your thoughts, for they become your words. Watch your words for they become your actions. Watch your actions for they become your habits. Watch your habits for they become your character. Watch your character for it will become your destiny. And I just want to read this powerful scripture. It says, Our thoughts are so powerful that they will eventually determine our destiny. So what you and I allow to think and meditate on will impact our destiny. So Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Isn't that powerful? What you choose to believe about yourself, about others, about your circumstances, will eventually happen because it says, for as a man thinks, so he is. So that is why it's so important for us to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and help us to make good choices, to take our thoughts captive. So through the transformation process, our minds are transformed into thinking the thoughts of Christ. How do we know the mind of Christ? Is when we bring our thoughts under the obedience of Christ. So when we bring our thoughts, or when we are transformed into thinking the thoughts of Christ, bringing our will, emotions, and actions into alignment with the kingdom behavior, when we start meditating on the Word of God, when we start believing the Word of God, It will affect the way we think. It will affect the way we um, do things. It will affect our behavior, our attitude. And that is how we can control. And there's a scripture that says, um, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it comes the issues of life. Do you know when when we guard our thoughts, we guard our hearts and we don't allow the enemy to play havoc with us. So let's just look at um, this for a, a while. You know that in our own strength and in our own ability, we cannot do anything. So we cannot be transformed in our own strength. And Philippians 2.13 says it's so beautiful. It is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purpose. You see, it takes time. And sometimes even a lifetime to develop the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So when we are guided and when we are able to take our thoughts captive, 
and when we when our thoughts are under the obedience of Christ, our behavior will be positive. And it's our behavior which displays the fruit of the Spirit. That's when people can say, wow, that person's so kind, that person's so gentle, that person, you know, is patient. Wow, want to be like that. What have you got that I don't have? You see, it's God's heart for us to become like him. And God is love. You know that the whole, all the fruits of the Spirit can be summarized in one word, and that is love. You know, God doesn't want to just transform us. Transformation is not just trying to make us. God doesn't want to make us into something that we're not. It is God molding us into the best version of who he originally created us to be. You see, we are God's masterpiece. We belong to him. We were never meant to um, live according to the ways of the world. We were meant to live according to to his ways. So I just want to touch on one of the fruits of the Spirit. And I just want to talk a little bit about love. Because one thing that sets us apart from from the world as Christians is love. And this fruit is so important. So love is one of the, the fruits of the Spirit. And as I said, probably one of the most important And as Christians, we should display this. You know that love has eternal value. And in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, it says, Now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. And there will be, you know, if you think about it, when we go to heaven, would we need to have faith? No, we wouldn't need to have faith because we'll be with God. Um. But the one thing that we would have is love. Now think about the fruit of the Spirit. If you really think about all of that, it's love. And if you read Corinthians um, 13 and it talks about love, it talks about love is kind, love is patient. And it goes on. And we're going to touch a little bit on love before I end with this program because I feel like love is so important. You see, love is the foundation of kingdom living. That is righteous living. Everything that we do as Christians should be motivated by love. And in 1 Corinthians 16, 14, it says, do everything in love. Every other kingdom principle should be built on the principle of love. So what am I, what am I saying? Everything that you and I do, our behavior, what we say, what we do, should be motivated by love. Why? God is love. And in 1 Corinthians 13, 3 to 8, it says, If I speak in the tongue of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have gifts of prophecy, can phantom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have faith that can can move mountains, but I do not have love, I'm nothing. And the word of God says, you know, that without love, we cannot please him. Without faith, we cannot please him. So there are many times, let's think about it. There's many times, even as Christians, where God has given us gifts Maybe some of you are praise and worship leaders. Some of you have got a gift to teach 
some of you can prophesy, all of that. You know, we God says his gifts is irrevocable, meaning he will not he will give it to us, but he will never take it back. And we can operate in the giftings of God. But if our life, if we're not bearing fruit, if there's no love, then all of that means absolutely nothing. You see, because love is, is Christ. That is the fruit. He says, you'll know my people by their fruit. How do you know if someone belongs to Jesus? How would we identify false prophets? We'll identify them by their fruit. So what it's saying is you can operate in all your giftings, but if the fruit of the Spirit is not evident, if love is not your motivation, then you should question, are you a Christian? So love is very important. And one one of the greatest commandments the Lord has given us is to love God and one another. John 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Why is it called a new commandment? You see, one of the reasons is that love does not fall under the law, but it falls under grace. Remember, before the law came in, people had to do good works. Now, you can do many good works, but your heart can be so dark. You can be, if you think about the Pharisees, they knew the law and they, and you know, they knew the law, but their hearts were far from God. So they did everything right, but their attitudes, you can murder someone in your thoughts. You can commit adultery in your thoughts, even if you physically haven't committed on this earth. So just remember, God looks at the heart. Now he says, I want you to love one another. It's not about what you do. You, When you love, you will automatically um, act out of love. So the law never required anyone to love, but was defined by rules and works. So without the spirit of God inside of us, you see now in the new in the New Testament, we've got we've now got the Spirit of God inside of us. Before um, the coming of Jesus, they never had the Spirit of God inside of us, but now we've got the Spirit of God inside of us, and we are unable to love others as God requires us without the His Spirit. Why? Because God is love, and His love dwells within us. I hope that makes sense. So the Holy Spirit inside of us, God's Spirit, and the Word of God says God is love. So when we accept His Spirit in us, we have love in us. We are able to love the way God loves. But without His Spirit, we cannot love others. It's impossible. So let's look at Matthew twenty-two thirty-six to 40. It says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with your entire mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And secondly, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang onto these two commandments. So we are commanded to love the Lord 
and to love one another. How do we love each other? You know that love is a is not just um, an emotion. Love is action. It's by our ways, our actions, our words. Um, so why do we have to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, and entire mind? Because when we align our thoughts with God's thoughts, our hearts and our actions will display His character. And what is His character? It's the fruit. And His character, the fruit of the Spirit, can be summarized as love. And in 1 John four seventeen, it says, Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, God is, so are we in this world. You know that God is love and love is within us. You know, the greatest need of all humanity is to be loved. So how can we display it? How can we display the fruit Unfortunately, in this world, the perception of love is so distorted by the enemy. The concept of love means different things to different people. Everyone is seeking love and accepting love in many ways. But love is such a powerful force in our lives because everyone wants to have or wants to be, um, wants to belong and they want to be loved. And, you know, this is an innate thing in each and every one of us. What we are really looking for, what we are really missing, what the world is really missing is the love of Christ. He's the only one that can fulfill that void inside of us and give us a sense of belonging. And in 1 John 3, 1, it says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. You know, when we belong to him, we are part of his family. He's our father and we are his children. It is only in him that we find perfect love and have the desire and ability to truly love others. If we look at the world we're in, it's broken. It's so broken. And you know what? God is spirit. You know that God is spirit. But when his spirit dwells within us, we become the ambassadors for Christ. We become his hands and his feet. And therefore he says, love one another. You know, love each other because the world needs to see God tangibly or experience him tangibly. And you know that God uses us as his children to demonstrate his love on this earth. The world is looking for God in a real and tangible way. And therefore, as believers, we should demonstrate God's love to others. So let us take a short break, and then we're nearly at the end of the program, and then we can end off. If you've tuned into Radio K Pulpit right now, you're with Alana Willie for you, and you're with Body Matters, and today I'm chatting about what is the fruit of the Spirit, and how do we obtain it, and I'm touching on the topic of love, because love really, in essence, summarizes all the fruit of the Spirit, and I'm talking about how we as Christians can live a life, uh, a righteous life that can display God's fruit, because God is love, and the fruit of the Spirit is really the character of Christ. 
And, you know, God lives within us. So what does God require from us? He wants us to be his ambassador on this earth. And the word also says that people will distinguish who is from God and who who is not from God through the fruit of the Spirit. So let's just look quickly at love again. I'm still busy on love. Love is an action. It's not an emotion. You know, if someone told you, I love you, but they never spend time with you, they never do anything for you, they're not kind, or, um, you know, they're not patient with you, but they tell you that, you know, they love you, will you really experience that love? Will you believe them? You know, so God says in his word in John fourteen fifteen, if you love me, you will obey me. Okay, so God is saying the only the one way in which we can show him that we love him is to do his will. You see, the Lord specifies that there's a connection between loving him and obeying him. Um, you know, we need to do what he says. We need to, um, you know, obey him because it's like having kids when you ask them to do something, they don't do it. Mommy, I love you. But if you say, look, I want you to pick up, take the trash out or clean the house. And they're saying, no, I'm not going to do that. But mom, I love you. You're going to say, listen, don't tell me that you love me. I want you to listen to me and do what I've asked you to do. And I believe that God feels exactly the same way about us. But you know what? That God wants us to love our enemies. And this also requires non-believers. You know, as believers, we're quick to judge those out there. You know, they don't serve God. Ooh, you know, look at the way they live. But you know that God, in essence, came for them. And our duty is to be witness to them. Our duty is to tell them about Jesus. So God says, I came not to um to judge the world, but to save the world. So if we've got God living inside of us and we are going to do his will, then we represent him. That means we can't judge them. We need to love others. So loving your enemies, I know it's sometimes hard to love our enemies, but just remember that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the principalities of darkness. So let's look at this. You see, God says in Luke 5, 31, 32, and Jesus said unto them, it is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but the sinner to repentance. You see, God is not a respecter of persons and neither should we be. Our job is not to judge those who are not serving him, but our heart is to display the fruit of the spirit, um, to put love in action, because that is what separates us from the world. And in Matthew 5, 44, it says, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that spitefully use you, that you may be the children, listen, the children of your Father which is in heaven. You see, when we choose to do what is right, despite the way we feel, we are choosing to love and that is what sets us apart from non-believers. And in Luke 6, 31 to 32, it says, Do not do to others as you would like others to do unto you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? 
Even sinners love those who love them. God will reward us because vengeance is not ours. It belongs to the Lord. You see, our job on this earth is not to judge others, but to love them and to direct them towards God. We have no right to play God because he has the only power to judge, not us. So, my message for you, for you today is clothe yourself with love every day because the word of God says clothe yourself and it says in Colossians 3.14 and above all these put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And I want to emphasize this again in 1 John 4.17 it says by this love, God's love, perfected within us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we also in this world. What does it mean? As God is, we should be. We should represent him well. And the scripture is so powerful, you know. And it says that we are like God himself in this world. And his love is perfected in us. And that is why it's so important that we live lives that are righteous. So that people will see and know that God is in us. Because that's the only thing that sets us apart. And we can reflect God's character. Because sometimes words are not enough to convince people of the love of Christ. Sometimes it's our actions, it's our words, it's what we say and what we do that people look at us and say, I want that. I want the peace. I want the joy. And there's something about us as Christians that non-believers want to say, I want God. That is our biggest, biggest witness. And that is why it's the greatest commandment to love one another. And I just want to end off with that and encourage you that the more we spend time with God, the more the fruits are developed. And you know what? You can't develop those fruits. God can develop it. But our responsibility is every day. It says, I lay before you life and death. Choose life. Choose life. Choose to live a life that is worthy of God's love. He loves us unconditionally. But we've got a mission on this earth, and that is to proclaim the word of God to each and every person, not just in word, but in deed. So let me end off with that thought, and let me just pray for you today. Father God, Holy Spirit, I just pray right now for every person that is listening, Father. For those who belong to you and for those who do not belong to you, Father. I pray that they will know that you are a God of love. And when we accept you, Father, your love is manifested in us and through us. And Father, I want to pray for, for one person today that's tuned in, that doesn't know you, but that wants to know you, Father, as the Father of love, who wants to belong to you, Father. And if you are that person, I want to pray for you and I want you to pray with me. So just repeat after me today. 
Father God, I am a sinner, but today I choose you, Lord, to be Lord and God over my life. Today I want to commit everything I am in your hands. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean with your blood. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, just remember that God loves you. Ask him, speak to him, join a church, pray, God will hear you, call out to him. And God is a God of peace. For those of you who need peace, God is a God of peace. May he fill you today with peace, that supernatural peace that will surpass all understanding that will guard your heart and mind. Call out to God. If it's you, just thank him that you belong to him. And just remember that the Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. And the work he starts in you, he will bring to completion in Jesus' name. Amen. So thank you so much for listening to my program. And we are going to meet again next Saturday at the same time. Um, from me, Alana Willifree, have a beautiful weekend and week. Goodbye. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.